Hello and welcome to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards, and today I'm thrilled to have my guest as Britt Garrett. Britt is one of only five Jungian analysts in Western Australia. Uh, she's president of the Young Society of WA, which meets monthly to deliver talks and videos and seminars for those who are interested in the work of Carl Jung and want to learn a bit more. Originally from Texas, she moved around a fair bit before landing here in Western Australia nearly 20 years ago, and she has an established pra practice in Fremantle and also hoping to develop another down in Margaret River to facilitate a, a bigger move down there. Um, Britt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bryn. So we have a challenge today. Um, our challenge here is to take some of the key concepts of, of Carl Jung's work, who many people may or may not have heard of, and, and really break them down into making them more simple and straightforward to the everyday person, particularly to someone like myself in, in the midpoint of life, where between that sort of 35 and 45, latter 40s part of their life. And what I'd like us to be able to try and do today is, is get to the point where by the end of this podcast, having invested some time in listening to it, we've piqued their interest, they've understand, understood a few things, can take away something a bit practical and, um, and, and yeah, want to learn a bit more. So are you up for the challenge? I'll try. Have you done anything <laughs> like this before? Not really. No. All right. Okay. <laughs> Super. So, um, before we, um, before we dive into the, uh, and try and decipher the work of Carl Jung, I just want to understand what, what it takes to become a Jungian analyst. Cause our understanding is it takes a fair amount of training. Is that right? Yeah, it's the training, but I think the biggest part is the your own analysis. So yeah. I had 12 years of analysis myself, okay. sometimes twice a week, sometimes weekly, because I really feel like it's, you're learning it from the inside, right? which is the important thing. I mean, you can read and we have seminars and yeah. group meetings, and I'd done a psychotherapy training before, but the core of it is doing your own analysis, I think. Yeah. I think I find that quite interesting because a lot of people can, you know, go and do a, a diploma in counselling and learn techniques, but never actually reflect it back on their inside. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I, I think it's such a journey. You have to find those dark spots in yourself. Right. Your own shadow, your own suffering. And we'll come into what a shadow is yeah. in a bit. <laughs> but yeah. So that you can sit with others in it. Yeah. And, and from an authentic point of view. Yeah, that's right. Because or, if you've got scary, unexplored, which of course there are, p pockets of yourself, how can you sit with others? That's fantastic. Yeah. So what was it that drew you to becoming a, um, a Jungian analyst? Um, I've always, I'm a Scorpio, so I've always been a deep thinker and right. I was never a real chit chatter at school in that. And then at university, when I just, I did a course on Jung, which yeah. is amazing because that doesn't exist much. And I thought, wow, this is my language. This is what I love. And someone, uh, I had never really discovered my language before. Yes. So from that moment, it's what I always wanted to do really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super. What would you say it was my language? What do you mean by that? Um, I just, I think the depth, really, the psychic, psychological language, the depths, um, dream work, that, that kind of deep thinking. Really. Oh, right. Yeah. It's quite interesting because, um, you know, certainly in today's day and age where we've got technology and Facebook and what have you, you wouldn't necessarily, would you, would you class that as deep thinking? Or? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's all about the quick fix or the, you know, the sound bite. Indeed, it. indeed. Yeah. So um, if we if we go to Carl Jung, the man himself, uh, in a nutshell, what can you what can you tell us about Carl himself? I mean, he was uh, was he a student of Freud? Who gets more of the more knowledge um, or more of the recognition some days? Uh, what can you tell us in a nutshell about the man himself? Yeah, um, he was a, wasn't really a student of Freud. He was a so, colleague, really. Yes. And, and I think in the beginning, Freud needed Jung more than Jung needed Freud. Um, being a Jew in Vienna was difficult for Freud. So he was pleased when Jung came on board. Yeah. Um, and they, they really had a strong relationship. Um, I don't. <laughs> this is good. I don't know how in a nutshell it'll be, but yes. basically it was because Freud didn't really want to look so much at the meaning. He he really reduced everything to sexuality, and that's where Jung differed yeah. from him. Jung felt like there was a, other instincts besides just sexuality, and he really wanted to explore the the deeper the depths of psyche, the the layers of psyche, not just kind of the id and right. the and the super ego and the ego. Um, so, but when he split with Freud, it was a huge point in his life, and he went through what you would probably say a midlife breakdown, where all his his structures of life and what he had seen his life was going to be yes. suddenly fell out from under him, and that's when he did his own inner journey, and he wrote the Red Book. Right. Is, well, that came, the Red Book came out of it, and so he really Can you explain what the Red Book was. It's it's was. his it was his diary really. It was his journal, um, and he did a lot of what he then realized was active imagination. So, in through his dreams and just through kind of um, communicating with his inner world, he really took it seriously and yeah. you know you, we could say some people say it was like a psychotic breakdown because all of these figures and all of these images just gushed up from the unconscious which is a definition of madness but yes. he communicated with them and he took them seriously and he listened to them and that really was the beginning of Jungian analysis I think he did it to himself by going into his inner world and Everything that he wrote after that, all of his work, you can see the seeds of that in his own journey into the depths. And the first line is something like, oh, my soul is missing. It, it began, this whole journey began with a search for his soul. Right. So that that's kind of basically Jungian analysis in a nutshell, the, the search for the, the missing soul. So when we say soul, what, what, what do we mean here? Um, I'm just reading it, a biography yeah. of um, James Hillman, who's a, a, a Jungian in a way, um, and he uh, just saw a great definition. It's the third thing between spirit and matter. Right. So I think that's just a great way of thinking. The third thing between spirit and matter. How yeah. do we... Well, spirit is the, the heights, you know, yeah. is, is the spiritual heights and matter is the physical body. Yes. So what is between man and God, really? Or, you know, it's that, it's the so. in-between place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super. So, um, yeah, if we, if we um, took one of, so if we take one of um, Jung's concepts um, around the process of individuation, um, so my understanding, and I'll be clear here, I've, I've done a bit of reading into Carl Jung. I do have a background in psychology. And I, I think this was the bit that spoke to me most mm -hmm. over the last 
several years as I went through, as, I, as I've said in my earlier first podcast, when I became the, the, the poster boy for a cliche midlife crisis, and I was sitting there trying to work out what was going on, that I, I, I happened across a book that talked about the process of individuation, and it started to make sense, some of the changes that was going on within me. So my understanding is that the, the process of individuation sort of maps out our sort of journey through life and how we have and it's we have distinct we have a distinct first half and second half and that there's a transition from one to another is is that kind of right yeah but yeah a transition from being uh, probably uh, until you're 30 you never really thought about so much what do you want in life we, we're just feeling the roles that have been yes. assigned to us by our parents and our the, society the social scripts and- yes that's right so individuation is about becoming an individual the person that you are mm. outside of everything that's been heaped on you or, or, or what you've done to survive in the world really well in the first half yeah and what are some of the things that we, goes on in that I mean, what is the difference between the first and the second half of life, according to Jung's process of individuation? Yeah, um, and also maybe I would say the second half doesn't begin until probably <laughs> the 50s in a way, because right. I think the first half is living in the, in the world. That, yes. And it's interesting when young people come to analysis, because often young people are attracted to the Depths and the big young, not young, young, young Jungians attracted to the depth world. But part of the process is you got to live in the world first. I think you really got to do those things, get a job, (laughs) you know, uh, have a family or relationships or do these kind of in the world things and have ambition and want to achieve that they're important. But then when the second half of life comes around, you're like, well, you know, I've, maybe I've done these things or maybe it's just not enough. Or, you know, I thought if I did this, then I've reached my goal and I'll be happy. And you realize, well, actually, I don't really feel that much happier. So yes. fulfilling these goals wasn't actually yes. what I was after. And that kind of precipitate, precipitates the midlife crisis, I think. That okay. You think, whoa, I've done all these things that I thought would just really make me feel great. And I don't. I, I've played by the script. Yes. I, I, I've yeah. followed the brochure. Exactly. Yeah. Super. Been a good girl, good boy. Yeah. Yeah. What's what, what's actually going on underneath that's, that 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 sort of sort of brings that about? Would you say? What, brings, why is it? Why is it at the midlife all of a sudden these new questions start to happen? Uh, I think for one, maybe we've got more time. <laughs> we've been yeah. so consumed with working, making money, surviving, paying mm. the bills. And then we start to have a little bit more time, maybe, and yeah. questions of meaning become important. And what's the point of my life? Why am I doing all this? Why am I amassing money or yes. a bigger house? You know, I thought it would make me feel better, and it's not. So what is it I'm missing? So we start to think about what's missing in life. Right. The depth, the meaning, the soul. Yes. Really. And it's probably little wonder that people suddenly get to uh, this this sort of period of life and start to wonder why am I chasing this career why yeah yeah that's right and I think then big problems happen when we get to the second half of life and we're still chasing those goals the big career we're we're still trying to operate like we did as a young person 
um, and that we still filled with this ambition and drive when, and then I think that's when it gets tricky really. Yes. Because suddenly, well, we don't have the energy and it's not as important, but we're kind of faking it a sort of, or, yes. you know, we're driving ourselves in a way that it was not, we didn't have to when we were younger. It was a bit easier. So there must be something in there around as you're going through the transition. I've, I've described it as you go through the morning of life and before you go into the afternoon of life, you've got to deal with the lunchtime. Right. And, um, some, some of us, um, try and ignore the fact that the lunchtime's happening and you're still trying to hold on to the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you accept what's going on, then it, life starts to open out a bit more to you. Yeah, that's right. And then you start to see beyond <laughs> the, you know, the confines of career and family and ambitions and into what is important in yeah. life. But yeah, that lunchtime is the peak. And who wants to like leave things when you're at your peak? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I've made it. I'm on the top of the mountain. And then you think, oh, I just want to stay here forever. But you know, the sun keeps going and it's, or, you know, and you yeah. start to go downhill. <laughs> it's probably a little wonder that um, we're starting to see a prevalence of, of people becoming sort of anxious and depressed in that latter part because, you know, Media and society would suggest that we just keep on trucking mm. in that youthful morning mm. way. Yeah, good point. That's right. Everything mm. it gets harder to hang on to that position, and it also becomes a, a little bit less fulfilling in a way. Cool. So you mentioned earlier on like, this concept of the shadow. Can you tell me a bit more of that, and then how that might play out in this? Um, <laughs> uh, how, there you Sorry. go. Modern technology. Um, and how that would play out in this process of individuation and, and moving from the morning to the afternoon of life. Yeah, I mean, shadows often, it's its all those bits in ourselves that we don't like, yes. you know, that we want to hide away, that we don't want people to see, we don't want to see or acknowledge ourselves. A lot of people think it's just kind of negative things or bad things, mm. but its also, it's just those things we don't really want to know about in ourselves. But um, Jung says, and it's in the unconscious because that's it's in the shadow. It's it's not part of our it's not where bright we life. See it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So it's in the dark. Um, and but the point of kind of getting in touch with our shadow side is, it's not only just that it makes us more whole because we're not just all the good bits. We've got all these shadowy bits as well. So it makes us more whole, more well-rounded, more real. But also there's a lot of energy in the unconscious that is lying dormant, really. And, and Jung says that the shadow, by contacting the shadow, it's our first port of call for the, the treasure or the energy or the gold that's in the unconscious. So it's via the, the, the shadow that we start to actually go down into the depths of psyche. Right. And, and unleash this energy. And unleash it. Yeah, that's right. And it's scary and it's confronting. And who wants to look at those dark bits of ourselves? But there it is. I mean, it, mm. it's, it is true. You know, and you think of an atomic bomb or something, it's yeah. the darkest, darkest shadowy thing, but it's got so much energy. Yes. And there's probably so much in that. Yeah. If you shine light on, there's so much there to actually enjoy mm-hmm. once you're accepted. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so, we need that energy yeah. because it's also what allows us to say no or look after ourselves yeah. or, you know, we need our own shadow to yeah. fight our battles. So what, how, how does the shadow get formed? 
Good question. Um, probably because we're supposed to be bright, shiny, happy, good boys and good girls for mommy and daddy. And yeah. so if all those things were not and all our jealousies and petty rivalries mm. and all our negative thoughts we we just put in the basement. Yes. Yeah. And we've been trying to be whatever, basically what mommy and daddy want. And that's how we survive, by yeah. being what they want. And, then, and what they don't want gets pushed away. Right. And then from mum and dad, then it becomes what the teacher wants. And then, yeah. then what we need to do to get to university and then what we need to do to get a job and then what we need to do to be successful. Yeah. So I suppose if I'm understanding this correctly, the more we um, define ourselves uh, um, in a way that leads us towards this sort of success that we talked about, the more we're putting parts of ourselves away into a box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And is there something there around when we get to this midpoint of life that there's so much in the box and so much energy in the box that we put away mm -hmm. that finally the box is over full mm -hmm. and it's time for it to explode. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think that's one way it comes up. It explodes and we might've just completely overturned, you know, quit the job or get the divorce or just completely have the affair. Yeah, have the affair exactly. <laughs> Buy the sports car. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And we've, we've gone along on this one trajectory and then suddenly we do a U-turn. Yeah. That's one way. I think another way is, it takes so much effort to keep that lid on the box that that's where depression and anxiety come yes. in. They're like, we're sitting on that and it, we cannot let that stuff get out. So it really suppresses all energy mm. in the psyche. So depression and anxiety, I think, are a way of keeping a lid on the on box. On the things we don't like. Yeah. We don't want to face about ourselves. Yes. Yeah, that's right. All right, yeah. So... There's also this concept of keeping, holding the tension of opposites. How can you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite concepts of Jung, and it's probably one of his biggest. Um, and, you know, say it's like our good bits and our bad bits, our that, positive that and negative. Yeah. yeah. So how to hold both. We're both, you know. We're, yes. And we tend to flip from one to the other, happy and then angry or, yes. you know, but how to keep in mind both. Or, you know, people come into an else and say, you know, what should I do? Or, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. And Jung's big on it's not either or. But So if I, if I sorry, if I came to analysis with you, what, what, what would I be doing? Um, I would say... I always say, why here, why now? Yeah. Because what, what's brought you in right this second? Yes. So that kind of brings us to the issues. And then I'm, uh, I work a lot with dreams. Right. Because that's where the unconscious comes up. Right. You know, you might come in and say, well, I've got this problem and I've got this problem and I've got this problem. What should I do? But that's all in the conscious, you know? And yes. If I, and, and plus I wouldn't say <laughs> what to do because I don't know, yes. <laughs> but I work on the premise that something in you does know. So let's find it uh, and let's keep, create a space for it. So I think dreams are big. It brings in the unconscious stuff we never would have thought of because you'll say, oh, I dreamt of riding a bike last night. And I'll say, how did that feel? What was that like riding that bike? And you say, oh, the wind in my hair. Oh, I just felt so free. And I'll say, is that a familiar feeling? And either you say yes or no, or, you know, that just leads hmm. into places 
we never would have gotten to if we had a kind of a conscious agenda. Continually staying in yeah. that conscious problem-solving yeah. part of our mind yes. that we're in, that's right. day in, day out, yeah. going to work. Yeah, that's right. Because that's the closed system. Nothing new is coming in. Yes. The unconscious brings in something new. Okay. So we were talking about holding the tension of opposites. Yeah. Yeah. So even if, say, the dream of riding a bike, it's like, oh, yeah, I feel the wind in my hair. And then, so like, what's that like feeling the wind in your hair? So you feel that. And then what's it like when it stops, you know? And so then you feel that and you're like, oh, I'm so deflated or it's so boring or so how to hold this tension, you know, the wind in my hair, I felt so free, hold that. And a big way I like doing it is Robert Bosnack's dream work is, and hold, he really works with this is, um, you feel it in your body. So where, where in your body do you feel this freedom? And so then yes. you can really locate it and feel it and hold it. And where do you feel this deflatedness in your body? What's that like? And so then you just really hold these two things, yes. freedom and boringness, you know? Yes. And, and the idea is you hold this tension and something new emerges out of it. A third is born from these two. Right. And that this is a new spontaneous way of looking at things. That's what Jung called the transcendent function, the new thing that spontaneously arises. All right. So, so if we, if we sort of take those three concepts that we've just talked together, we spend the first half, if I'm right in thinking, we spend the first half of our life defining ourselves as in i am this mm -hmm. not that mm -hmm. i am this not that mm -hmm. i am that and not this mm -hmm. and every time we say we are not that mm -hmm. we're putting it somewhere yeah, else good. through the first half of our life they're putting it into the shadow which may be some sort of a box that is filling up and filling up with energy and we're trying to suppress it and, mm -hmm. and suppressing it and the more we're suppressing it the more we're starting to feel anxious and depressed mm -hmm. and then at some point poof, Mm -hmm. it's too much mm -hmm. and it blows up mm -hmm. um and then from there we suddenly realize that we're not just who we thought we are we're also this other part mm -hmm. of ourselves mm -hmm. and then there's the tension of holding that to, that could be scary stuff very yeah but by holding those two there's more sort of aligned way of moving forwards with ourselves Is that yeah, that's right. And, and and I like that more aligned way of staying with ourselves because that's what this is who I am. This is what we're sitting in, not yes. who I wish I was or should have been, but this is who I am. Hmm. And oh. another big scary part of it is not knowing because I always say that's a big part of analysis. You're sitting and not knowing. You're sitting in uncertainty. What's the best way forward? I don't know. <laughs> is this stuff and coming that in up? That itself is scary. Absolutely. And because there isn't one right way forward, there isn't a recipe, there isn't a prescription. If you do this, then you'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Far so, so if I'm an everyday person listening to this, um, and I'm like, and I'm sitting there going, okay. So now I get a rough idea of underlying on a psychic level under underlying what's going on inside of me. And it, and now I'm starting to understand why I'm feeling a bit depressed and anxious and new things are coming up and I've got this urge to leave my job <coughs> part of me and, and pursue something. What can I actually be doing to be on top of this process rather than being a victim of this process as in, if left unabated, I could become another 
poster boy for a midlife crisis? Yeah, I think first and foremost is feeling how you feel mm. because that's the kind of stuff we push back. Oh, I'm feeling a bit unhappy or I'm feeling a bit dissatisfied. Mm. So we push that away and we work harder. Yeah. But if you think, oh, yeah, you don't have to do anything with that. You just feel it. What's that like to feel a bit dissatisfied? Just feel that. Yes. I think that's really important because then you're tuning into what's going on for you. And also, of course, dreams, paying attention to dreams. A lot of people say, I don't dream, but I think if you make space for it or you think about it before you go to bed and you honor them, that you, yeah. you'll find that you do. And a snippet is all you need. You don't yeah. need a big, well, long What do you dream. do with that snippet? You feel it. Feel it. Again, what's that like to feel that? Is that a familiar feeling? You know, it's, and I'll say, well, what do you make of that? Yeah. Because again, it's not like there's a dream image. If you have a bicycle, it means this. It's like, well, what's it like for you yes. on that bicycle? You know, maybe it's lonely because you're all by yourself riding it, or maybe it's, you feel free. It's like, well, what's it like for you? Because then you're tuning into how you feel. And that's what gets lost. You know, mommy and daddy tell us, this is how you feel. Don't be sad. Just do this. Yes. Or, you know, have an ice cream if you hurt yourself. Don't pay any attention to it. But uh, and boom, so then we get lost from ourselves. Mm. We get separated from ourselves. So by tuning into how we feel, that's... And being present with And them. being present to it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like rocket science, but it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to feel with those, to stay with those, those feelings. Yeah. And I guess it, it takes energy. It takes effort. It mm -hmm. takes, um, putting the phone down, breaking habits. Yep. Um, you know, we've just, just had the 10 years of iPhone come out and, um, you know, I was watching a, a program last night about the impact of smartphones on our yes. life. Um, you know, there's not an app for this stuff, is there? No. Well, I think there might be. I think there's <laughs> lots of mindfulness apps, but it's probably a dream. But no, because it, you're like you say, it means putting away the phone and not also Googling, what does this mean? Or what should I do? That's, you know, also yes. a tendency. Like, well, what do you reckon? Yeah, because there's <laughs> a huge amount of resources feel? inside of it. Yes, that's it. Yeah, and I think that's what analysis does. It provides a space for that and a place to honor it, which nowadays there's experts and apps for everything. Yes. So we don't sit with ourselves so much. So um, have you always yourself been tuned into this sort of stuff or did you have to go through a journey to find it? I think I've always been tuned into it, but it's not, you know, I've been an introverted deep thinker, but it's not really kind of socially acceptable. So my journey was how to be that in the world, you know, and, and still go to you, parties or whatever. That? Well, you know, how to chit chat or yes. how to, that's why I, when I, um, went to my first psychotherapy training, I was like, wow, this is so fabulous because I finally get to talk this language. And I've found that now that I can talk the language and I work in this way, I can be a much kind of lighter, brighter, mm. <laughs> normal person. You found your tribe. To yeah, talk to. that's it. And I get the opportunity to live out what's so important to me: depth talking like this. Yes, yes. Because there's um, again, if I look at it, modern day workplace. Um, 
certainly seems to reward at times the extrovert yeah over the introvert yeah yeah unless you find yourself one of those sort of i don't know most my experience would be engineering jobs where you're left by yourself to work on stuff yeah which in my mind would be heaven because i like to be left by myself to work on something but it's the water the chatting around the water cooler that would be my hard bit yes (laughs) the actual connection yeah the the chit chat the deep connections i'm i like the one-on-one but the chit chat the light stuff is difficult so you know I didn't. I read Game of Thrones. I haven't watched it, so I right. can't really talk on that level. But you know, I did. I read it as an on an introverted level, and it was yeah. okay. But <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it's interesting you say that because that's kind of what I, I'm trying to do here with with WA Real is to have real conversations mm, with people, yeah, rather than just the the chit chat, yeah, and try and put things forwards that, that we can talk about. So, um. If we just look look at yourself a bit more, um, what what do you do? What, what sort of things do you do that make you feel grounded? And when things get hectic, um, what sort of things do you do to bring yourself back to yourself? Breathe, Breathe. <laughs> number one, and that's why I think the idea of mindfulness is quite good. That um, to just bring you back to your breath, to your body, to just. And breathe out is, I think, the important yeah. thing because we tend to go, <laughs> and then we get even more lightheaded or, you know, excited or up. But it's that <sighs> breathing yes. out and down and in. That's what my go-to, just <sighs> yeah. breathe out. Um, and certainly things like yoga. But uh, now it's, it's being in nature that really does it. Walking in nature, um, just taking in nature uh, it's yep. it's it's hard to describe um what i get from that but uh, and i and i said also that i i love doing the eijing i try to i do one well, every tell me more about the eijing um that it's the um chinese div- book of changes is what eijing means so it's a divination i suppose but i use it psychologically um process that i just throw the coins and and you the way you do it is you get a trigram that you then look a hexagram that you look up in the yes. book, which Jung wrote the forward to Richard Wilhelm's um, volume of the I Ching, which is my favorite still. And it's just amazing. Like, it, because this is what I love this. I think this is where soul is. It's the crossover between matter and psyche. And this is also the holding of the tension of opposites, conscious and unconscious. And this thing in between, because suddenly the throwing of the coins or, you know, the tarot or something like that, it brings in this third thing between conscious and unconscious. And that's what dreams are. It comes from the unconscious, but it's using conscious symbolism so that that's, it's not just bringing, making the unconscious conscious. Yes. It's holding both, you know, why this dream image or why this hexagram now in life, you know, right. why this unconscious thing at this conscious moment in life. And I think that's where it's so amazing. Um, and so when I just... So is this almost opening yourself up to that being signs all around us? I think so, but then it also has to be in a ritualistic way because okay. another... Um, I love Lacan. He's a French psychoanalyst, Jacques Lacan, and his definition of 
psychosis and madness is seeing meaning everywhere so so it is this you know if we i think a lot of people are attracted to jung because there's meaning in everything but that drives you a bit crazy i think you know it's like I'm sure that red car has a meaning for me if I could just work it out. <laughs> and it's, it drives you crazy. So I think that's the thing about the tarot or the I Ching or dream work in a disciplined way is it brings a, a ritualistic honoring of it. It's right. not just kind of... So it's almost a process for bringing appropriate yes. signs to yeah, yourself. That's right. Yep. And that's tuning in, sitting there. I mean, and really making that kind of sacred space in you to tune in and listen to this and take it, you know, make it, take it as a real thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. As you, um, look forward, um, in your life and with your practice, um, what, what do you want for, uh, what does success look like for you? But it's, um, hmm, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess getting to live the life I want to lead and still working and living yeah. in society. I mean, part of me just wants to go be a hermit in the bush somewhere. Yeah. Um, but that's, I know, is quite one-sided so that I would need a foot in the real world. Is that is that the life well. you would like to lead? I think so, yeah. Yep. Being, I, that's my fantasy. Yes. Yep. And just, you know, chopping wood, <laughs> carrying water that I, I, that's, and being physical, you know, that I, that's what I really love. Growing food that you then chop the wood to cook it on. That to me, that's, that's my bliss. Yes. But I, it's probably, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> impractical or I, maybe I would get bored doing that. So I also need the depth. And that's why work gives me the depth in life. And then reading, but just reading doesn't quite do it for me anymore. I need to be um, thrown into it or it has to hook me or something. I can't just study now. I read a lot of novels (laughs) for fun. You need more practice and interaction with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I need a, a hook. It has to draw me in. I'm not just, I can't just read so I can learn something to be, uh, to know it now I ha- it has to really hit me over the head and right hook me in what's one of the, what's the, what's this one sort of thing that people would be surprised to know about Brit um <laughs> maybe that because it's that I would really like to just have a garden <laughs> grow my food chop the wood and, yeah. and cook it on the stove that and I think maybe that kind of surprises me because I thought I'm I thought I was quite ambitious, a, a real depth thinker, you know, that, um, but really, I, I, that simple, the simple things in life hmm. are important. <laughs> Super. If you could go back to this, the start of your career as an analyst and, and you could have a quick chat, present Brit go back and have a chat with past Brit. What's some of the advice you'd be giving her? Um, you're doing it. Well, you know, because like, that's what I say to people all the time too. This is it. You're doing it, you know, because we try. What do you to, mean you're doing it? This, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, 
the hard work or the struggle or the, the, the suffering that this is the work, you know, that there isn't any kind of magic thing. If you had done this, then you would have been, you know, great. Or it's, it's the slow, steady work that does it and the staying yeah. in it. Like, that's why I always say, this is it. You're doing it because like, well, what should I do? You know, but well, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. You're doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, my teacher, my first therapy, psychotherapy training, I love these words. He said, you know, people come to therapy because they're at A and they want to get to B. And um, then the end of therapy is when you realize you're A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have spent so They're much like energy alchemist. trying to be what we aren't. And yeah. then it's really is that acceptance of this is who you are. And I think that the Zen koan, before enlightenment, chopping wood, carrying water, after enlightenment, chopping wood, okay. carrying water, it's... It's that. It's you're at A. <laughs> this is who you are. This is what you're doing. It might look a lot different. I think that's the thing. Your perspective changes. Not that I'm saying it brings enlightenment, but I think your outlook changes. And it's, I think that's what Jung says about the transcendent function that arises spontaneously out of these tension of the opposites is that it's a new way of seeing and it's experiential. It's not an applied knowledge. So that it's our experiences that bring us to who we are. So that's what I mean when you, I say you're doing it. This is it. <laughs> that's great because so many people, I hear so many people say, oh, I really need some coaching so I can be like this yes. or I can be like that yeah. or I could be like something. Yeah. And they want to change the, the fact that you are already everything you need to be. Yeah. And really, you just need help to see that. Yeah. And to honor it and to hold the space it's to bring it out. inside of you already. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. What's the best bit of advice you've ever received? Best bit of advice? Hmm. Um, maybe that is it. That, uh, not that it's, well, is <laughs> to not give advice, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, because I like that is that. what therapy is. It, it's, and it's very difficult to not give advice. People are desperate. What should I do? What do you think? What should I do? And, mm. you know, everything in me wants to say, well, you could try this or have you tried that? Or, but to say nothing is, puts it back on you. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you reckon that that's the best bit of advice? What do you think? <laughs> And then in some way, I think I've managed to do that with my children, that uh, I've just let them find themselves. And one of them would say he needed a lot more direction in life. Yes. <laughs> but I still think <laughs> I was right. No. Um, but that there is something about finding your own direction and, and just, you don't, who knows what paths are going to open up in your life. So if we say, okay, well, I've got to turn left here and then right there and then straight ahead we miss out the opportunities that open up miraculously or by the grace of God or something. Super. And one final question. If you could take, if you take what you, certainly some of the bits that we've talked about today or, or some of the stuff that you understand from your work and experience and sort of wave a magic wand and put some of that into just change everyday culture, society around us um, for the better. What, what would that be? What would that look like? Just um, wave a wand. Wave a wand. Um, 
Well, that's the other thing you learn. There's no magic. <laughs> There's no magical cures. <laughs> Let's pretend but, you do. <laughs> well, the last um, aging I pulled was one. It was um, called contemplation, which I think, and it's um, image. It's kind of char- Chinese character that it comes from is a tower, and it's which means and it's and it's the character means to both see and be seen and so that that's this idea if you're on a tower you can see for miles but you can be seen for miles and so what i think is really important with this kind of what i can't quite put into words yet but what i get say from nature or is both a sense of seeing it and being seen so like we do all this work to it's very hard to put into words, but we do all this work to to um, know ourselves or see ourselves as we are or the world. But there's also something out there <laughs> watching us. You know, I, I did a lecture on um, the paintings of Peter Burkhaus. I don't know if you went. Um, and it's kind of through his midlife crisis. And uh, one of us, the the painting I ended on is this just this beautiful, dreamy, watery landscape full of eyes. And it, it is very much the sense of what we're trying to kind of peer into when we're looking into the inner world, but there's also something looking out. And that's what we forget that nature or God, if you want, or the unconscious or the self or whatever. It's not just us finding it. It's also needs us. It's trying to find us. And that's what we're also leaving space open to find. And there's no app for that. No. <laughs> just space and time and openness, I think. Superb. Superb. Well, Britt, I'd really like to thank you and acknowledge you for coming on the, on the show today. Um, taking your wealth of knowledge and, and trying to break it down into something simple is no easy task. Um, so yeah, I'd really like to thank you for your, for your time. I'd like to acknowledge all the listeners that are listening to this. And I, I sincerely hope that you've been given in something to go away and think about and, and hopefully some things there around creating some space and, and being easier on yourself and letting yourself mm-hmm. come to yourself. Yeah. Um, and you allow that for yourself. And as, as I said, WA Real is about listening to different stories from different people so you can find yourself in those real stories. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think there's been a lot in here today that people can find about themselves in this real conversation. So thank you very much and love to see you next time. Yes, thank you for inviting well, thank me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks.